Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. And welcome into Bet the Edge on Friday, December 2nd. Thank you everyone for watching live on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. We're talking week 13 in the NFL. Joining Drew and I today, Eric Eager coming on to talk about a couple games, 49ers, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bengals, and more. We'll also wrap our show talking about our favorite bets. You know I'm going to college football market. Drew's staying on the NFL side. We'll be talking USA <laughs> and Netherlands World Cup prices as well. All that and more coming on Bet the Edge. Drew, the Pats did not come through. Ooh. The interception props did, though, last night for me. Uh, how was your night? What did you think about it? And is Matt Jones right to be yelling at his OC and coach like that? I think so. I did not yeah. expect to be here at all, but I am Team Mac Jones here. Uh, I Mac think Jones. that I, I think that Belichick and really just kind of going back to the decision to bring on Patricia as the uh, effectively the heir apparent to McDaniels was terrible. Um, I didn't like anything that they were doing last night in any stage of the game, right? Like some of the scripted stuff was cool. I liked the play that they had to Marcus Jones for the first touchdown. That was cool. Um, But then everything else after that, it was literally like it was predictable. Uh, It was, it didn't, didn't really reflect the urgency of the game for them. Um, This was the, this was the pivot point for their entire season. They win this game. They're back in it. They put the bills in a tough spot in the AFC East. And you know, it, it, it basically was, a would have been a season saver. The loss here, Effectively, they are now done. Uh, there's really no clear path for them to play their way into a wild card in a very crowded AFC playoff picture. And uh, it was just it was a very uninspiring effort. Belichick, uh, in particular, deserves some scrutiny for his decision to punt, I thought, in the fourth in, yeah. in the fourth quarter where it was pretty clear, like, hey, man, <laughs> you got you got 12 minutes left. You need, you need a couple touchdowns here. And he's elects to pin the Bills and give them the end. The Bills, who, by the way, who had been running all over them and eating clock like it was their job, uh, you know, gives them the ball back and, and puts them in even a more dire situation. They finally get some drive going the next time with the ball in their hands and they themselves eat six minutes of clock yeah. and get a field goal. Um, so it was just all in all aspects it was uninspiring to see from the Patriots and um, you know the Bills didn't have their most clean night uh, the Josh Allen fumble you know the, the, the penalties were a little questionable they, you know that kept their their total down into the 24 range instead of clearly getting into the 30s um, but uh, you know you know it's still it was a lackluster effort from them and then they get the clean you know clean easy win cover here largely on the strength of some of the key uh, kind of high leverage defensive plays that they made at the end of the game but um the story coming out of that game for me was all New England and all the scrutiny on the coaching staff. 
Yeah, I agree completely with you. I was pretty surprised to see the Patriots not take as many chunk plays or try and get those chunk plays. And I really liked what the Patriots defense did for the most part in that game. Outside of Josh Allen's touchdown when he should have been knocked out of bounds. I mean, I don't know how you don't just push. You know, I know he's 6'5", 235, but come on, man. You got to get him out of bounds there in that play. I also amazed how neither quarterback uh, turned the ball over last night. Although Mac Jones, you know, had that fumble on the, with the first or second handoff of the game. Uh, Josh Allen definitely had a couple. One of Mac Jones' picks got called back. So I'm looking at Mac Jones in a bounce back spot at Arizona next week, Drew. They get that extra um, extra rest advantage now playing on a Thursday than playing on a Monday night at Arizona. And we know the Cardinals are a much better road team than they are home team. Uh, so if you're team Mac Jones, are you going to get down with some uh, Mac Jones passing props against Arizona? I think I'm going to sit on my Mac Jones fandom until next season. I think okay. we've seen we've seen enough from yeah. the Matt Patricia experience to expect that they are going to move on from him in this offseason, I would hope. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, we can maybe get a bounce back year, bounce back season from Mac Jones next year. Maybe this is part of his growth, part of his arc. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is a lost season. All right. Well, we're going to pass on Mac Jones props, but we're not going to pass on as the rest of the NFL slate. Right after this promo, we're going to have Eric Eagle back up on. So make sure you guys go and download that Roto World app. Your entire life, you've been told to save. But has anyone helped you figure out how to spend? With Fidelity Income Planning, get help creating a personalized plan for cash flow, even when you're not working. One that includes your 401k and all your other accounts. Make informed decisions that best fit your life ahead, whether one-on-one or through our planning tools. Learn more at fidelity.com slash income planning. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is back. Get ready for Wayday. For three days only, May 4th through May 6th, you can get up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. Plus, everything ships free. Don't miss the sale to get up to 80% off everything home, even a garden gnome. Wayday starts May 4th. Head to Wayfair.com now to start filling your car. Wayfair, every style, every home. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Breaking news all season long goes right to your phone by favoring players that are on your fantasy team or your favorite players in general. Injury updates, player news, all that more delivered right to you guys. Make sure you go get the Roto World app or NBC Sports Edge. Type that in there on your Google Play Store or whatever app store you go to. So let's get Eric Eager in here of Summer Sports, formerly of Pro Football Focus. Our guy, he's been here quite often, breaking down tons of games, and we have to talk about the New York Football Jets taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The uh, probably 2025 MVP in Mike White, and then the coolest quarterback <laughs> in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. Uh, so, what do you think? The Vikings are laying three as home favorites, 44 and a half. The total actually opened at 42. It's ticked up, mostly probably because they like Mike White in that offense a little more than Zach Wilson in the offense. So, uh, what are your takes in this game? Yeah, when it was an expensive two and a half, I did like Minnesota a little bit here. I just think, you know, you're talking about third straight home game for the Vikings, uh, 10 days rest. Um, Kirk Cousins has not been great this year when you look at like 
uh, yards per pass attempt, EPA per play, basically anything you can sort of judge a quarterback by. He's been below his season standards. Uh, however, and we saw this on Thursday night, you know, the Vikings are just squeaking out win probability in places where they just weren't last year. End of half, uh, fourth down decisions, timeouts. Like Kevin O'Connell is doing a pretty good job uh, of, you know, not making the mistakes that his predecessor did. The only issue, and I think that this is why that total is, is ticked up, like the the Vikings are kind of middle of the pack, bottom half of the league in EPA per play. The 31st in yards per play allowed. Like when you look at this team, Zadarius Smith and Danell Hunter have had their moments this year, especially uh, Smith leads the league in pressures, but that has gotten worse over time. And, you know, when you look at their secondary, just not a lot of depth there. They drafted Andrew Booth. He's out for the year. They drafted Lewisine. He's out for the year. Shannon Sullivan's playing nickel and something called the Caleb Evans is playing one of the other corner spots. Like this thing is just not a particularly robust defense. And, you know, I think Mike White at least showed last week against Chicago that he can take advantage of a defense that doesn't have the horses in the secondary. Great point. Great point. And uh, yeah, expecting the Jets. This is this is kind of an interesting litmus test for the Vikings, really, uh, because the Jets are a bona fide defense. And if you know that when the season started, and I know you were kind of on this corner, uh, Kevin O'Connell, uh, you know, the the, the 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 entire turnover of that organization was all positive. It was like, oh, wow, they are they're going to build something cool here. Like this is this definitely has potential. Uh, I know a lot of people were high on Vikings potentially winning the North, which looks like a certainty at this point. Um, but I kind of was a little you know, it could take some time for Kevin O'Connell to kind of find his legs to really kind of uh, help this, uh, you know, offense reach its potential. Um, and then lo and behold, they just, they're just winning games ugly through the early half of the season. And then you start to think, wow, if they can like find their groove later this season, this is maybe a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden, but it's just, it's, it hasn't really manifest yet. Um, where do you see the Vikings going from here as far as an arc? And I guess, you know, what would you look for in this game in particular to tell you that like, oh, there is growth here. There is, you know, they are going somewhere because right now I think pretty much everybody who looks at futures markets is kind of writing these guys off. And I think rightfully so, right? The the place where, you know, the last two years with the Vikings, for example, they've started one and five and three and five and have gotten back to 500 in both seasons but have trailed off at the end, right? So they've had that mid-season where Jefferson emerges and is the best player in football, basically. Cousins is a pretty top, you know, top end of the league quarterback. And so the thought when they started out hot record-wise, but not fundamentally, was if they actually turned the corner and started playing well, this team could be really good. And they just simply haven't, right? Like they, you know, that they've trailed by, you know, basically 10 or more points prior to the New England game, three out of the last four games. And last week against New England, I think most people, if you grade the game out, is a lot of noise, but many people would have graded the game out on New England side. So, you know, they have to get better just to kind of, in my opinion, even get in the conversation with Philadelphia, who blew them out early in the year, Dallas, who blew them out at home just two weeks ago, uh, as well as San Francisco, who I think many people have, and I think rightfully so, power rated as the top team in the NFC. They'll probably get a two seed. If you look at the rest of their schedule, they are not tested very much at all. Uh, by any of these quarterbacks uh, down the stretch. But, you know, they could get a salty team. Like you think about like Seattle coming in a much better and more efficient offense than them coming into Minneapolis in, in January. That's going to be a tough game for them. I, you know, they, they could catch, you know, an easy game in week one in week one of the playoffs as the two seed. 
Um, but I just don't see them, you know, doing anything in the playoffs just because they simply haven't performed that well. And they haven't been really tested. And when they've been tested, the Buffalo game, that went, it was great. They had a 17-point deficit in that game. They got blown out by the Eagles and Cowboys in the other two games that they really faced a, a truly good team. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a terrific breakdown. And just I think we've all been amazed of how Kevin O'Connell and the staff has come right into Minnesota and upgraded the offense right away. But still a team that's we can't trust them all the time. And in the playoffs, I don't I can't trust Kirk Cousins, primetime Kirk, all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, let's let's take it for what it is. They're going to be a great regular season team this year. And I think we, we all will be fading them in the postseason. A team, though, that two teams, actually, that I will probably like to back in the postseason would be the Dolphins and the Niners. This is probably the most intriguing matchup of this week, in my opinion. The Niners are laying four points over Anderson at 46 and a half. All I plan on betting in this game so far is a Raheem Mostert touchdown. Uh, getting back to San Fran, there's been a lot of talk um, between Debo and, I mean, basically the whole Niners and Dolphins teams because half of them played for each other the past year. So uh, what do you make in this game? Uh, any plays in particular, Ryan up? Yeah, I think, you know, in this game, I like over. I know that there are some fundamental reasons why you wouldn't want it, right? The the tackles for the Miami Dolphins are a little banged up, and obviously you have the defense for San Francisco that hasn't surrendered a point in the second half of the last four games. Now you have to look back at who they played, right? New Orleans is not exactly going to remind any of us of the 07 Patriots. Uh, you know, prior to that, it was, uh, you know, the uh, Arizona team that's in disarray. Like the last time they faced a really – you know, humming offense, they gave up 40 plus to the Chiefs. So I, I think that there's a little bit we're, we're failing to grade the Niners on a curve here when we give them, uh, you know, 46 and a half, 47, depending upon the book you look at. Um, Mike McDaniel is also one of those coaches, by the way, that is he's woke. You know, he goes for fourth downs. He doesn't mess around with timeouts. He's not going to ruin like he, you know, he's Shanahan, in my estimation, maybe 10 percent worse as a play caller, but probably 20 percent better as a game manager. And so you know, when I look at this game, it, it I do kind of like Miami getting four just because I do think the the you know Miami is going to do what it takes to squeeze the juice out of the orange as far as trying to win that football game. And the Niners very well well may lay up uh and do things like kick field goals and stuff, which could hurt them from a you know covering the spread perspective. But both of these offenses are way too explosive. And when you've looked at Miami, even against Chicago, where they were facing kind of an, ex, you know, an explosive quarterback and, you know, San Francisco, when they faced, you know, even like a running game like the Atlanta Falcons, I know they were you know banged up in that, but there are elements of both of these teams defensively that have weaknesses that are going to be exploited by both of these offenses. Yeah, that's fair. I played an under here. I don't feel great about it. <laughs> Actually, like Eric's case and basically everybody I've talked to this week whose opinions I especially respect in the NFL have like kind of made a bunch of points that make me feel like the Miami is the side and that four is crazy as far as the price goes. Uh, even a lot of what you said. So I, I might end up playing Miami this week. Um, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm banking on just, uh, you know, Niners offense is pretty beat up uh, and this is a huge step up in class in terms of level of, you know, just, you know, you can, you, you can say that uh, there's potentially a little bit of an overrated nature to the way that the market is rating the Niners defense just based on their strength of opponent. But the opposite is absolutely true of Miami. Like they've gone up against uh, some pretty, pretty poor units the last four weeks. And so it's, you know, it's been a while since yeah. we saw them have a real test defensively. So it's going to be fascinating. I got to ask you a specific question though, because you spent a lot of time, 
time watching Tyreek Hill, obviously, when he was in Kansas City. Uh, biggest move of the offseason, at least on paper, in terms of uh, you know impact, uh, has been Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins uh, right now. Basically co-favorite. Uh, for offensive player of the year and rightfully so. Um, however, the way that they're utilizing him and the way that he's generating offense is not what I expected, honestly. Um, how? What have you thought about sort of his role in this Miami offense so far this season? And is there a potential that there are a couple of tricks up McDaniel's sleeve for a game like this in terms of how they're utilizing him? Well, if you want a you, you want a sneaky good narrative, um, the last <laughs> time the 49ers got had as a as a defense was against Kansas City. Kansas City was once the the home team of one Charvarius Ward, the the cornerback who has been really good for the Niners this year. Three years, forty two million. Has he we, traveled even with DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, he was in his feels a little bit during that game. Even got Hopkins to get a penalty. Ward is a guy they'd they like to man him up against the best receivers. And, you know, as a Chiefs fan, I saw when he tried to do that against Jamar Chase twice last year, it went, went poorly. Um, if, if the nine, Niners try to match up Traverius Ward against Tyreek Hill, it will be a movie. And I think that that is, <laughs> is, is one way that they're going to work with, with him. I, I think with Hill, it's just so crazy. You watch these, these teams, and I'm not a huge film guy, but I watch a little bit of that. And when Tua hits his back foot, him and Waddle are further downfield than any receivers I've ever seen. It's like they don't even have to yeah. they, they just run vertical. And I think when you look at the Niners, the Niners are one of those cover three defenses of the of the sort of back in the day Seattle ilk. And that's mm-hmm. great when you face you know, that's great when you face teams with kind of you know mediocre athletes at wide receiver, especially because of what Fred Warner can do to kind of erase the middle of the field. But against teams that have these kind of athletes at wide receiver. I just think it's going to be I think it's going to be hard on 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 the uh, the 49ers defense here. So that's another reason I like over. And the thing about overs, right? Like we've seen this this year. This has been an under season. It's a it's an mm-hmm. absolute grind. We had 17 points in the first quarter of that game yesterday, right? Or first <laughs> quarter plus, and it doesn't even get even close. What you need to win overs is a 70 yard touchdown or two every game. And both yeah. of these teams with Samuel and with Hill and Waddle have that kind of component to them in their offense. I love that. That's a great. That's a great look there. I uh, have a friend that's a Niners fan that lives uh, in, this, in the building with me, and he's been bragging about their defense the last four games. I'm trying to tell him, my guy, it's the Rams, the Cardinals, the Saints, and the Chargers. Like, of course, you guys look good in the second half. So, yeah, this is going to be a much different task for them. I definitely like your looks there too. Uh, you, you talked about it being like a movie with those wideouts. Well, this game, Bengals and Chiefs. I mean. This is going to have everything. Fireworks. The total is 53 now, opened at 51 and a half. Uh, Jamar Chase looking to come back. Joe Mixon trying to come back. Uh, what do you look here? Are the Bengals live to win this game as a home dog? Well, uh, to give you guys another joke narrative, I've been to three straight Chiefs games uh, where they not only have lost, but they only scored three points in the second half and blew a lead. Indianapolis this year, and then both Bengals games last year. As a Cincinnati resident, I will be at this game. Here we go. You go. At the Bengals second half, and, and you, you believe in curses. That that's the that's the inside scoop from 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 my uh, my lips to God's ears. But no, I you know, I, I the Bengals are better than they were last year. Right. I mean, like if you look yeah. defensively, they're a little bit more banged up. But I think Lou Amaruno is so good at scheming and taking away weak links. There's not a great player on that defense other than maybe Trey Hendrickson and Jesse Bates. But like they just do such a good job of not being weak anywhere. Uh, Cam Taylor Brick comes in in the, in the stead of uh, 
Chidobe Awuzie doesn't skip a beat. Like that's a well put together defense. And the way to beat the Chiefs is, and, and they're good at beating it this way, but this is the only way to beat the Chiefs is to make them cross the street 10 times on the way to the end zone. And they did that in the second half of the AFC title game. And, you know, that that helped. Like the reason that, you know, and the Chiefs engineered their offense to not have to do that as much anymore with, you know, Valdez scaling and Smith Schuster in the place of Hill. But it's still there. It's still the kryptonite. If you make the Chiefs be methodical up and down the field, Andy Reid gets a little bit impatient sometimes, and and you can see that issue. That you turn it over to the other side, and this is again, we saw this on the Sunday night game when the Chiefs beat the Chargers. Like Steve Spagnolo, he's got athletes on his defense now. Gone are Dan Sorensen and and Rashad Fenton and guys like that are in our rookies who are playing pretty good football. This team has emerged their thirteenth, I believe, in yards per play allowed, a little bit lower in EPA and stuff like that. But third, what what killed the Chiefs last year is this particular matchup where you get in third and long, and Steve Spagnolo loves rushing six. He loves playing man man coverage. He loves playing single high. And, and Joe Burrow is a really smart guy. He's going to throw the alley-oop to Chase and Higgins. And there's a, they're a mismatch against everybody in the league. So I think, you know, rightfully so, we've seen this number trend from three. I think some books have it at one and a half even. Um, so I think, like, this is a combination of the Bengals being better than they were last year, a better version of who they are, and this matchup being particularly thorny for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I understand if, if you're a Chiefs better, I, I would say if you like the Chiefs in this game, Wait until kick, because I do not think that you're going to see like real Chiefs money on this side just for all those reasons. If you like the Bengals, you might as well just take them now, because I think that they're going to continue to get more expensive. Mm. I think that's fair advice. Played another stinky over here, under here, excuse me, stinky under. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like, yeah. The, I like the, the title game went under um, uh, a similar number, right? So like this, sure, this, sure. this has not, you know, this is not, and the weather here in Cincinnati, I'm just looking out my window, not the greatest, right? Like, sure. uh, you know, and and the other thing, and and I know one of the things that might hurt you here in that under, Drew, is, you know, Zach Taylor was notorious for being under center, running Joe Mixon, sure. slowing the game down. They have become a far more, you know, shotgun team that throws the football. And that that might be the hurtful thing to this under here. But the, the mm-hmm. Chiefs. They gave 20 carries to Isaiah Pacheco last week. Like they want to be able to establish the run to their detriment as well. So I, I don't hate – I wouldn't bet over in this game. I, I would say that. Yeah, so most of my angle on the under – I mean, I just, I've made my fair was 51. That's It's not a huge edge, obviously. But um, the uh, I, I tend to look at what Kansas City is doing defensively, and particularly the quality of play from Chris Jones – and I get kind of excited about what his impact might be in this particular matchup. Like that guy finishes his pressures. He gets, he's, he is an absolute monster right now, uh, playing a lot better than he was down the stretch last season for sure, either due to health or, you know, just motivation, who the heck knows. But, um, you know, I think in general, the D line for both teams is going to be kind of the key to this game one way or the other, more, much more so than the offenses, uh, which sounds crazy, but that's sort of the way that we are, you know, that's sort of the way things are going in the NFL right now. Um, do you think that, uh, number one, I guess Cincinnati, you would guess, comes in with the same sort of approach they used in the second half of the AFC Championship game. They try to get pressure with three, likely. Uh, DJ Reader, I think, is going to be back and getting full complement of snaps. Uh, he matters a ton to their ability to run stop and, and be able to operate that way. Um, do you think Kansas City will have answers for that, number one? And then on the flip side, uh, do you agree that what you're getting out of Chris Jones might be sort of the key here to uh, you know just truly stumping the Cincinnati Bengals, particularly in high leverage moments. 
Yeah, for sure. So to your first question, I think so. I think that they're going to make the Chiefs like that has been the the goal. Now, again, the Chiefs went from facing the highest percentage of too high and like the lightest boxes in the league the last few years. Now they're facing a lot of more man coverage. And I think that that is that is Andy Reid. Like when they went with Valdez Scantling does the, the, the deep stuff. You know, Juju does the underneath stuff and Travis Kelsey kind of does the the wiggly stuff. And then they have Sky Moore and Justin Watson like they're building it in the aggregate, not to not to quote the Moneyball movie. But like Mm -hmm. that has caused them that has given them better things to work with. And they've been more explosive than last year because they've been able to get man coverage more often than not. So do the Bengals, you know go against what the whole league has said, which is to underestimate those receivers and, and pay the price. I think they do. And so I, I do think the Chiefs are going to try to run the football against this. And that was like, if you take away from the last game that they played, it's like Jarek McKinnon was running the ball really well efficiency-wise, and they went away from him, and and Patrick made a few mistakes that he usually doesn't make. Uh, so I think they're going to run the ball more. Um, and if they can be efficient that way, it, it might help their offense. On the other side, though, you know, one of the really interesting things, you look at George Karloftis, the first-round pick out of Purdue, he's second among rookies in pressures, but his PFF grade is like 50. And that, to me, you know, and I don't work for them anymore, but that demonstrates to me that, like, he's not winning early in the down. He's winning late in the down where he won't get a great grade, but he'll still get pressures and sacks. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Chiefs in their secondary, they're starting younger, more athletic players, and the quarterback has to hold the ball longer because they're getting better coverage. And so a guy like Karloftis, Dunlap, um, you know, Frank Clark's having his best season as a chief and we had all written him off. And mm-hmm. it all starts with the fact that Chris Jones can get quick pressure and these quarterbacks sort of move into these other guys and those other guys can pile up pressures and sacks it, it, when, in, the, in the event that Chris Jones can't capitalize on it. So it, it's been a really good season for the Chiefs defense because, again, they were so bad last year, early on especially, <laughs> that like their only out was to trade Tyreek Hill for five draft picks. And they did, and they and they you know put four of them into the secondary, and that's helped all the way trickle down to the pass rush. Yeah, I like that a lot too. I wanted to hit on the point that Drew was talking about too. You guys both talking about the total um, in the running game because totals of 52 or higher – are six three and one to the under this year. The Chiefs have been in four of those, four of those <laughs> games, uh, and they're two and two. Uh, so you know, fifty percent right now. But I, I do lean the under. I think everyone's going to be quick to bet the over. Very public play in that one. But again, another tremendous breakdown, Eric, especially with the defensive guys. Let's talk about Sunday Night Football. This could be a snoozer, mighty. Drew and I talked about the over hit six straight games for prime time until last night. Looked like it was going towards that direction. But we got an over under 44 and a half here for Colts at Cowboys. The boys are laying 10 and a half. Um, game where I don't feel confident betting either side, but this number is really big for the Cowboys, in my opinion. It, it, it has to be a, a statement game for Dak. And, and you know, when you're, when you're off 10 days rest and you're against a team that's co- sort of a sitting duck, especially when you look at what the Cowboys do really well, it's, they 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 they're multiple on defense, right? J. Ron Curse is a safety linebacker slot hybrid. You know, Trayvon Diggs travels around with receivers, and obviously Micah Parsons being kind of that Lawrence Taylor type inside outside backer really helps. And you know, what's been the problem for Indianapolis all year? It's been the fact that they've been a revolving door around the offensive line. Like you need to have a continuous, contiguous offensive line to deal with guys like Micah Parsons. They simply don't have it. And and Matt Ryan has been an, has been a player where. You know, it's just it's just not there for him anymore. And he can't he can't move off his spot. He needs perfect protection to play well. And so, you know, for me in this game, it's Dallas or nothing. And Dallas is one of those teams where, again, 
like they have the, the the stinkers all the time, right? They they have the games where Dak is you know first half of the Cowboy or first half of the Giants game. Sorry, but when he's you know when he's really humming, uh, and and I think you know in this game where you have an Indianapolis defense that is well coached but not particularly you know complicated scheme wise, I think you're going to see Gallup. I think you're going to see Lamb really do their thing here. So um, you know honestly, I, I I support this move from nine and a half on the open to ten and a half because I think like Dallas is just. I think they're hitting their stride now, and, and I and I think that um, you know I think that they'll win this game by margin. Yeah, uh, not a lot to say really about Dallas. I think that the price is fair. Maybe this should be ten, ten and a half. I don't really doesn't really doesn't really phase uh, me much. I'm much more curious about what you think about sort of the organizational decision making going on in Indianapolis. Where do they go from here? Is this uh, is is Saturday the answer? Is uh, is Matt Ryan going to be back next year? You know what what kind of guidance would you give for anyone who's a Colts fan who's like, what's happening? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of times these these things are these things are done sometimes to avoid paying two coaches at once, right? So you know, you, each Saturday is relatively expensive and like. Maybe they're trying, you know, there's, there's, there's ways here, right? Like you don't want to get into a situation where, you know, you, you, Jason Garrett is the, is the interim coach and then he becomes the coach and it's like, uh, yeah. or less, less <laughs> Frazier did that in Minnesota as well after Brad Childers, like these things almost never do well. And so maybe it's just like, look, Saturday, you're going to get a chance to be head coach. You're going to get a ton of notoriety. You can basically have keys to the city if you win a couple games, but you're not going to be the real coach, but that, be that as like, Look, the reason that my, uh, Josh McDaniels is not an indie and Frank Reich was was some pretty weird stuff on you know reportedly on, on the part of Ursa, right? Like this this guy is by definition unpredictable. So I, I don't know really what they're doing. I do know people in that building. I, I'm pretty good friends with people in that building, and it's like there's a little bit of chaos there, right? And and even to the point where they bench Matt Ryan for playing poorly, put in Sam Ellinger. Matt Ryan, it made sense, right? Because if, if Matt Ryan gets injured, you owe him, you know, on the order of 10 million come next league year. Now you put him back in. Like, I don't know what you're doing. You're not winning that division. You're not like Jacksonville has a better chance to win that division than you do. And so, like, I don't know what they're doing th- this entire thing. Yeah. Terrific breakdown. You got the inside source too. You said you know people, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big Cal Colts fan because they let the Steelers beat them last week on prime time. Uh, so I am, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one there, but Eric, I really love all the looks you had. I have in my notes, bet the Bengals Chiefs second half under, or the chiefs team total under, uh, in the second half. So that one is on you. And next time I'm on here, you'll get a little cash app or something. Like that. So, uh, let everyone know where they can find your workout and where you're on Twitter. Yep. So I'm at, uh, at Eric eager underscore on Twitter. Um, sumersports.com is where you can find out about our new company. But you know, right now, our main piece of content, I, I host the Sumer Sports Show with Eric Eager and Thomas Dimitrov, the former general manager of the Falcons, who is now the CEO of Sumer Sports. So we're, it's not as much gambling as I did when I was on the forecast with George Shahuri, but we are sort of talking about the league from an insider's perspective and then uh, myself as a, an analytics person. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool, and we, you know, we're about nine episodes in. So if you want to uh, you know, take a break from, from sports betting talk, uh, that that might be uh, that might be good for you. Has uh, Dimitrov converted you to a van life guy yet? I, look, I Tom, I, I I probably ride as much bike as Thomas does, um, but no, I mean he's in. Look, if I'm if I have his hair and I'm in his shape by the time I'm his age, 
I will have I will have one. I'm already, you know, I, I I'm trying my best to avoid age, but he he's done so far better than I have. Oh man, we appreciate it. you, Eric. Man, appreciate you. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore and go check out Sumner Sports and his podcast as well. We'll be listening. Thank you, Eric. Come on, guys. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. All right. Don't forget that second half under people. All right. Just a reminder, if you have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. Contests are free and easy to play. You have a shot to win thousands for the Sunday Night 7, predicting what will happen in college football on the NASCAR circuit in Premier League. This week, we got 100K up for grabs on the Colts and Cowboys Sunday Night 7 game. Uh, it's easy, Drew. Anybody can win it. So hop in, go play, guys. Like I said, it's a free contest. Um, and one of the questions on there is very interesting. It's the first question, actually. Dak Prescott, passing yards, bans. Um, you know, it starts at under 230, goes all the way up to 310 plus. I'm kind of in the 250 to 269 range. I know Eric Eager said this could be the game for the Cowboys to make a statement, yeah. but I'm thinking Dak, you know, gives Zeke, Tony Pollard their touches. Yeah, so I struggled with this question. This was a really tough one, and they make some tough ones in the predictor, no doubt. Um, yeah. But this one's up there. I'm going to end up going low here just because I think that there is a realistic chance that the Cowboys have this game well in hand after the first half, and then it becomes the Zeke and Tony Pollard show in the second half. So the fact that the lowest band is 230 and under uh, is kind of speaking to me here. I know that in general that the best defense for the Colts is okay. Um, they have a couple of standout players, and you know they, it's a, it's a dynamic set of weapons you're going up against, but the fact that it's going to be a balanced attack here for the Cowboys and this game could get out of hand, I think is good enough for me to get involved with the, the low band here. I love that. Let's go under 230, less than 230, and I'll go with 250 to 269 there. So pretty interesting stuff. Make sure you guys go get that Sunday Night 7 on the NBC Sports Predictor app in your Play Store, your App Store. Let's go to our edges of the day, our favorite bets. Drew, you're up first for a Sunday game, NFL. We're going to stay in the NFC East. It was tough to find one. And the closer we get to kickoff here, I'm starting to wish I had picked the Dolphins just because of everything <laughs> I hear and everything I think. I'm like, man, the Dolphins should probably be closer to three in that game. But I'm going to stick with my uh, my my stated bet here, which is the New York football giants as Moneyline underdogs at home hosting the Washington Commanders. Um, sure, these teams are trending in opposite directions. That's true. 
There is no uh, no arguing about that. However, uh, the Giants do have a propensity to hold on to the football this season. That has been sort of the key emphasis that Brian Dable has brought into the picture. And Daniel Jones is playing competent at quarterback. They had a chance to you know to threaten the Cowboys last uh, last time out. They just ran out of steam in the second half. Um, but no worries because they get extra rest to prepare, extra time to prepare for this game. And re- reinforcements are coming. We are going to have healthy bodies on that offensive line. Healthy bodies in the secondary uh, and I think that is going to make all the difference in the world in this kind of you know sort of do or die moment for the Giants here because this is one of the last games that they're going to be within a field goal of their opponent they're going to be big time dogs down the stretch so if they have any hopes of kind of making anything out of the tremendous start that they had to the season it starts with a win at home against the Washington Commanders um, all that said I make this game Washington a slight dogs. I think Giants should be about 53% to the good on the win percentage uh, here. So I'm going to take the plus money on the money line and uh, put a little bit of uh, uh, that plus money in my pocket for the weekend. New York football Giants get the win uh, based on uh, just a clean game. Whereas the Washington Commanders, I think, are they're due for about three turnovers. I can't believe you're fading Tyler Heineke, my favorite <laughs> quarterback in the NFL this year. One of the most profitable quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Drew said doesn't matter. I actually like this look. I'm not going to lie. I've been riding the Commanders for five straight weeks now. And this is kind of the game where I was like, ah, now they're a road favorite in the Meadowlands against the Giants, a team that loves to run, play defense. I don't love it. I'll probably have a small bet on the Commanders because you keep riding that train. But I'm going to be honest, I don't feel very confident. And so uh, I think I'm with you, Drew, there slightly. He might have convinced me. I hate the it, thing about the thing uh, about Heineke is he has probably just the most absurd turnover worthy play percentage <laughs> of anyone, and he's winning in spite of that because yeah. you know the opponents are dropping interceptable balls. And uh, if the Giants can just come up with a couple of those, I think this is uh, a, a great opportunity for them to bounce back. And another reason I don't really feel that much confident about the Commanders, they should have lost last week to the Falcons. The Falcons <laughs> blew that game on the goal yeah. line, and uh, yeah. you know I was watching, I was like, oh. NFL football for you. Commander's going to lose, not cover, but they got it done for me. So, yeah, this is probably a good time to fade them now. For my edge of the day, we talked about a little bit yesterday with Eric Froton on the show, but North Texas mean green, baby. Give me all of that. Uh, plus the nine against UTSA. Uh, underdogs that have failed to cover multiple games have gone 19 and four ATS in the last 23 conference championships. That's an 82.6% mark per action network. The only two teams that have failed to cover multiple games entering a conference championship this offseason or this. This uh, championship season is North Texas in North Carolina. All right, North Texas and UTSA met earlier this season. Uh, the Roadrunners of UTSA won that game 31-27 to at home. That was actually a huge game for UTSA because last year they were undefeated entering the last week of the season, and North Texas knocked them off to become bowl eligible. So UTSA had a little revenge on their minds. Now we've seen North Texas become bowl eligible for the first time last year in decades, uh, essentially to now being able to win a conference championship the next season against a team they knocked off last year. Uh, yeah, give me North Texas plus the nine. I did sprinkle the money line, but I also have them plus 1,800 of preseason to win the conference uh, in my pocket. They were like six out of ten, Drew, six out of ten for a conference to win. Uh, so I just love this team, man. Um, you riding or are you fading? I'm riding. Uh, UTSA is going to be without eight starter caliber players including mm-hmm. the running back who has been sort of the straw that stirs the drink for them uh, now the so, line's gonna go down because you're telling everyone the seat <laughs> road runners are gonna be roadkill in this game mean green Woo! 
went out right. Let's go Mean Green. Woo! Let's go Mean Green. Roadrunners run roadkill. I love that one. All right. <laughs> let's wrap up the show the most American way we can. USA and Netherlands. Yes. Through. You know me. I don't bet soccer, but when USA plays, it's USA or nothing for me. Uh, yep. So what do you make of this game in general? What are you betting? Under, I think we go into extra time scoreless. Maybe, maybe the mighty uh, um, Cody Gakpo uh, gets a goal. You know, in the in the final frame here to uh, to put Netherlands through one zero. But I think that USA has every realistic shot to think that they are live to advance. Uh, both teams to score no is a good a- angle here as well. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful that USA comes through, but I really struggle to see how we get to uh, over two goals in this match. So under two, under two and a quarter. That if you don't already know, two and a quarter means you're splitting your stake between under two and under two and a half, um, and you know, either way, I think this is uh, is going to be a low scoring uh, draw. F- you know, first half draw zero zero. Ooh, that looks pretty solid to me as well. Um, not Ooh, expecting okay. fireworks here. This is going to be a testy one. This is going to be tight, and I think the goalkeeping for USA can put them through if it gets to PKs. Okay, so both teams not to score is minus one thirty odds. Would it be better just to play the draw at plus two twenty then, uh, rather than doing that? I see value there, but it's a little short. There's a, it's, if it was in the 240 range, I'd be all over the draw. Um, So maybe wait and let's wait and see uh, if, if Netherlands catches a little steam into the close, you might get plus 240 on the draw. That'd be my buy point. Um, But uh, first half draw, uh, definitely putting some of that in my pocket. All right. And that USA game is on Wednesday morning against the Netherlands. So make sure you guys, Prepare for that one. It's going to be a great game. And Drew, I got like your looks a lot, man. I'm going to tell that zero zero first half because uh, that just sounds like a lot of fun. It's thrilling. It's a thriller. <laughs> hey, I got it. Make sure you check us out. The Well Capper on Twitter, V Money Sports. We appreciate everyone watching live on our YouTube channel. Everyone listening also on podcast form. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us or like if you're watching on YouTube and go to NBCSportsEdge.com or RotoWorld.com for all the information you guys need for wagers and fantasy. Appreciate you guys. See you on Monday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use Ship Same Day Delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. As in, she asks them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high.